0: And it's important for us to not go beyond what is written. Because I'm going to tell you, the moment you do that, what you do is you open yourself up for an argument, for a dispute that you can't prove. And and once someone can undermine you in a conversation, they can discount you as a person. This, this is a very valuable lesson if, if you're going to be ministering to make sure that what you're saying, you can back it up on solid proof. Otherwise, what'll happen is that you'll find stuff that has been put in you that is lying dormant, finding its way out into your messages. And somebody challenges you on it. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. After Father determined to destroy all flesh on earth, he gave man the opportunity to repent. The Bible reveals that before the flood came, Noah preached righteousness. The people rejected what Noah had to say and dismissed his preaching and his warnings to their own demise. Jehovah gave Noah specific instructions on how to build an ark and the occupants that would go into the ark. Every clean and unclean beast in the earth at the time of Noah was represented on the ark to preserve the species. Although it rained 40 days and nights, the water prevailed on the earth 150 days. Today's study title is The Beginning of the End. So, let's study. Chapter number seven. There are some things that father um, revealed to me as we were going through this particular at least as I was studying uh, this morning and 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 last night and especially as I began to put these uh, messages together and it's unfortunate that I can't present these to you in a PowerPoint um, format but I can certainly share them with you uh, and you'll just have to you'll just have to write them down. The There are some things that the Bible reveals to us in these particular passages that are facts and I was confronted with some of the things that I have been taught. As I've been going through the book of Genesis, I've had to come face to face with stuff that that has been dormant in my spirit, that have been spoken into my spirit by people that I've sat and list, excuse, listened to. When we, when I was dealing with the whole idea of the Ten Commandments in my studies, not, not in this particular study, I, I was confronted with how much of what I understood about the Ten Commandments that came from Cecil B. DeMille, from, from um, Charleston Heston. And Charleston Heston and Ewell Brenner or, or uh, yeah, Ewell Brenner and Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments put more in my spirit than any preacher did. And so I was once again confronted with some of this as I'm dealing with Noah. Because the, the Noah's Ark, the movie Noah's Ark, put stuff in my spirit that I didn't know was there. And as I'm going through these verses, verse by verse, I'm confronted with some of this stuff. And it's like, you know, we don't even realize the kind of things that are there that causes us to see Father's word from the perspective of those who put these things in our spirit And because we don't even recognize these things are in our spirit, we're just operating from a belief system that did not come from his word, but maybe came from movies or from sermons. And this is one of the blessings of going through the verse-by-verse study of Noah. And so there's some things that I wanted to uh, point out to you And I do have the PowerPoints, not here. I have them. Um, For those of you who want, you can simply, on the contact page, you can um, send me an email, contact us saying, hey, I'd like to get the PowerPoints, and I will make them available to you. Again, my apologies for not having them. But there are some things that I want us to see. Now, first of all, if we go back um, to Genesis chapter number six, I want us to see in Genesis chapter number six that Father is revealing to Noah that he is about to destroy men from the earth. And in that, in verse one, and it came to pass when men began to multiply. Well let's let's fast forward there. Well no, where he says he's going to destroy all men. Oh, here it is, verse thirteen. Verse 12, And Elohim looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And Elohim said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. The thing that that he's saying here is that he's going to wipe man off the face of the earth. And what he begins to do is he starts preparing Noah for this end that is about to come. And so now Noah in the preparation of preparing for what father is saying to him is preparing, I call this the beginning of the end, the beginning of the end, why? Because Noah now has to get ready for the end that is coming. And the parallel from that is the fact that if we, as we talked about last week, the days of Noah, that the end that Father is speaking about concerning what Yeshua said, that this gospel has to be preached to all the earth before the end comes, that we too are in a place where we are preparing for the return of Messiah and the Messiah will return when the end comes, when the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth. And so in many ways, what Noah is preparing for is the same thing we are preparing for, except Father is not going to destroy the earth like he did in the day of Noah, is going to be a different kind of destruction. And so here's some things that I wanted to point out that it's important um, for you to, to know. Let me, let me ask a question. How many of you have heard that Noah preached before the flood? If you heard that, let me see your hands. How long did Noah preach before the flood? 120, huh? 120, 520? 120, 120? 120 now where's that at in the Bible see hmm yeah that's the way it was preached that Noah if Noah preached 120 and I'm going to show you the math the math don't line up why because Noah was 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 500 years old when he began to have children. And we know that Noah went into the ark in the the 600th year of his life. And these are are facts we're gonna see here in the book. So if he started having children when he was 500 years old and he went in the ark when he was 600 years old, How can we get 120 years of preaching? You can't. But yet, I know for me, that's what I believed until I start searching it. Now I see where I got the 120 years from. But what happened is somebody taught me, based on that passage, But that passage don't say that. It's not the context that is there. But yet that information was dormant in my spirit. And the question is, is how did it get there? And what else is lying dormant in my spirit that won't be exposed until we start searching the scriptures for ourselves? Because we've already exposed other stuff that has been there that we know wasn't a deposit from the word, but a deposit from men. And so Noah was 500 years old when he began to have children. Now, if he was 500 years old would he begin to have children, how old was his children were before he began to build the ark? How old was they when they got married? Because I'm gonna tell you between 500 and 600 is what? 100 years. And so he was 500 years when he first started having children. At least that's what the Bible says. In verse number um, 32 in Genesis chapter number five. Remember we went through the generation of Noah. And in Genesis chapter 5, verse number 32, it it says that very clearly that Noah was 500 years old and begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, we know that Shem, Ham, and Japheth were married when they went in that ark. So the the problem we we have is we don't know how old they were when they got married. And so because we don't know how old they were when they they got married, we know that Noah was 500 years old when he began to have them. Sham, Ham, and Japheth were not triplets. (laughs) They weren't all born at the same time. We know that Jehovah gave Noah specific instructions concerning the dimension of the ark, how high, how wide, how long, how many floors were supposed to be on that ark. We know that he gave Noah instruction on the fact that he was going to destroy all flesh. He was going to kill. He was going to drown. Now, I'm gonna tell you something, brothers and sisters. This was not a overnight kind of death for people. It was a lingering situation because when the rain started to the time it finished, people who found higher ground had to find higher ground and then they had to find even higher ground till there was no more ground. <coughs> because the Bible tells us that the the waters went h- upward of 20 feet from the highest mountain or 20 feet above the mountain. So even a giant <coughs> couldn't live that in in that space for for too long of a time. We know that Jehovah gave Noah instructions on how to save his family. That all Noah had to do was follow the instructions that he had been given. Now, for some reason or another, people are under the impression that his instructions are, are no longer valid that his instructions are individual when the fact of the matter is that Father is giving instructions to his people and his people better align themselves with the instructions that is being given in order to look like his people when he come looking for them. Because he's not just coming looking for people, folks. When Messiah comes, he's coming for a specific people that look a specific way that has done what is necessary for them to be prepared to look a certain way so that when he comes, they will look like what he's looking for. These are instructions. And these instructions are specific. It's not just New Testament instructions, it's biblical instructions on preparing oneself, understanding that we live in a kingdom of this world, but we live in the kingdom of Jehovah as well. And so our citizenship is dual. And it's not just a matter of the law of the land, which most people are most concerned about. It's the law of the kingdom that usurps the law of the land, because when the land is destroyed, the law of the land is not going to matter anymore. the laws of men is not gonna matter anymore. And it is not men that's giving men the instructions on how to survive the coming damnation and destruction that is coming on the earth is the instructions of Jehovah that is gonna preserve men who have ears to hear. And so father gave Noah specific instructions on what he was gonna do, on how to save himself, how to save his wives, or his wife, his sons, and their wives, how to build the ark. He gave specific instructions on the dimension of how to build it, even down to who was to occupy the ark, who was going to be permitted into the ark, what was going to be permitted into the ark. And these I'll tell you are very specific instructions. And so he gave him the number, the number of the animals. <laughs> and then let's let's just read Genesis chapter seven. And Jehovah said unto Noah, come, you and all your house into the ark, for, for thee I've seen righteous before me in this generation. And then this next phrase or, or statement where he speaks, he says, of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, male and female, and and I don't know how it says in your bible but it says the male and his female and of beasts that are not clean by two the male and his female and so what do we see here it's saying that you're going to set you're going to take seven pairs of clean and what two pair actually it's that are not clean. And and it's not so much um, by two, he says, male and female. By two, male and female. In other words, a male and female is what? Is two. So he says, male and female, you are to take of every clean beast, you are to take seven, the male and his female and of the beasts that are not, by two, the male and his female, of fowls also of the air, by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. So what is he saying? What he's saying here is, no, we're going to start over. And everything that was every animal, every creeping thing, every fowl was represented on that ark. This was the instruction. And what was the purpose? To preserve. Now, what's interesting, and this won't show up until um, the next chapter, actually, yeah, where when Noah, comes out of the boat, the rationale for the clean and how many is going to be presented. Why? Because Noah's gonna make a sacrifice. He's not gonna sacrifice unclean because if he sacrificed the unclean animals, they'd be extinct. But he's got enough clean animals to sacrifice without wiping out the species. We know, based on what the scripture teach, that Noah, because in these passages, in Genesis chapter uh, five, six, seven, eight, and I believe all the way into, yeah, into nine um, and 10, we don't see Noah preaching. He's not preaching to anybody. But we know that based on what Second Peter writes or Peter wrote in the second letter that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. How do we know this? Because the Bible says here in 2 Peter um, chapter five or chapter, what is 2 Peter chapter number two. Second Peter chapter number two, verse number five. I know I I don't hear pages turning, so that's because y'all got those smartphones that don't have pages that make noise when you turn. So I can't get stuck on that. Chapter two, verse number five says, and and Elohim verse four, uh, know lets us know who's speaking or who's being spoken of, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. A preacher of righteousness, and and what that what that signifies to us is that Noah um, was one who preached. And he preached the righteousness that he had been given, which is instructing the people of the day concerning what father is going to do. Father says the end of all flesh is coming. It is is here. And what does he instruct Noah? He instruct Noah, says Noah. Now what's interesting, I don't don't know. um, What I've had to realize is that there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And when I don't know a thing, I have to be careful of speculating, lest I put things in your spirit that is not from scripture, just like things have been put in my spirit that was not from scripture. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna be guilty of the very thing that I'm accusing. But the, the essence of um, the accusation is that the first person I have to accuse is myself, because I'm the one who allowed these things into my spirit without searching them out. I'm the one who put my trust in the hands of men. And so I cannot blame others without having to assume the blame for my part because no one forced anything in me. They just spoke. And I accepted it at face value, trusting that they were speaking the truth, only to find out that what they were speaking were the things that they had heard. They hadn't verified the things that they were speaking because if they had verified these things that they were speaking, then I have to conclude that they wouldn't have spoken them. And I know that in my past, I've spoken things that I have not verified and inadvertently become a false witness, bearing false witness, saying things with the confidence as if it was true without searching the matter out to make sure it was truth. And so you got a lot of gossiping a lot of uh, um, words that are being spoken as truth that is not truth. And this is how people have come to the place where grace has such a, a plateau, a platform. Grace trumps everything in their mind. Everything else becomes irrelevant. The only relevant thing concerning Faith and salvation is grace, and that's all that matters. Grace has a place. Part of the Messianic Hebrew roots is not necessarily preaching grace to the degree of being afraid that grace is going to be heard like the church hears grace. Grace has a place, brothers and sisters. There is the grace of the Almighty. That is, that is, we aren't getting what we deserve. That is truth. If we got what we deserved, then we would be in trouble. And so th- that grace is sufficient in the sense that he didn't destroy us when we should have been destroyed by violating his commands out of pure ignorance. We're just ignorant. There's things we did we didn't know. And we can't say we knew because we didn't. Just didn't. But then there is a grace that brings salvation. And this grace has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly and blameless in this present age. If we understood the grace that brings salvation and put it in the context of the grace that brings salvation, we know that this is not some grace that is simply unexplainable. It's explainable. It teaches us what we are supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, you see. And so that particular grace, when taught the way it is supposed to be taught, should bring to us a level of lifestyle that we should be living in anticipation of the one who is coming. I mean, and so nor this preacher of righteousness He was preaching, it's like, listen folks, doom is coming, calamity is coming, the end of the world as we know it is coming, but the people didn't hear him. And those who did hear him rejected what he had to say and did not take heed to the things that had been communicated to them. And as I was about to say, I don't know the capacity of the ark, excuse me. I know the dimensions, but it's hard for me to visualize the capacity. I don't know the animal quantity that existed in the day of Noah. I can't tell you how many and how filled that lower level and that middle level and that upper level was. I don't know if other animals or people could have got on. I don't know if the thing was wall to wall packed. I suspect it wasn't. I suspect there was room to move around. But I get the impression that when father commissioned Noah to do what Noah did, he saw the outcome of where people were going to be. Just like as I started earlier, he see the outcome of the world when he comes. And these are are the things that I suspect prompted Messiah to say, will he find faith when he comes? We're going to be tested to a degree, brothers and sisters, unlike anything we have experienced up to this point. And so it's important for us to learn the lessons of Noah and his day so that we don't make the same mistakes that the people of Noah's day made. So we don't know how long Noah preached before the flood came. I mean, what I, what I realize is that there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't, didn't know. And one of the things that this forced me to do is to search out what the Bible actually had to say concerning the things that are there. We can't see the things that are not there, but we can see the things that were, I mean. And all we have to do is look. So, Let's keep looking, back to Genesis chapter number uh, one. Or chapter number seven, I'm sorry. Verse number three again. Of fowls also of the air by seven, the male and the female to keep, seed alive upon the face of all the earth. So we see why they were to recreate or to reproduce. For yet seven days and I will come, I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every living substance that I've made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And so what we see here is Father instructs Noah that what he has communicated to him is about to happen in seven days. And Noah did, all, did according unto all that Jehovah commanded him. And here we see that Noah was how old? Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. How old was he when he had his, his, his children? 500 years. So between 500 years and 600 years, how many years we have? 100. Now, we gotta gotta make some deductions because Noah's children wasn't full grown when he was 500 years old. Are you seeing this? So so we gotta, and, and again, we don't know how many years to deduct. But we know that they were of age, they weren't all born on the same day. And so if they got married when they were 15, 18, 20, we have to start deducting some years, which brings that 100 down a few more years. Are you seeing this? We don't know how many years to deduct. But we know that between 500 and 600 is 100. And he started having children when they were 500. I mean, you can, you can kind of get some idea of the math here. How, much, how many years would you deduct? 25, 35. I was, what, 19 when I, no, I was 20, 21 when I got married, 13 in Canada. I don't think they were in Canada, but it could have been late bloomers. I don't know. So if he was 500 years when he had a child, and when we look, when we look back on when when they were having children it's like you know a good 30 40 years passed before they had children or or more you see so when you take into account all of these things you would have to reduce that 100 years down a few years and again he tells him verse aid uh, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, of foul and everything that creepeth o- upon the earth. So Noah knew the difference between clean beasts and unclean beasts. And so the, the next thing, um, verse number nine, there went in two and two unto Noah, into the ark, the male and the female. And, and the thing that I point out here, which I think is important for us to see is each male had a female, just as it was in the natural realm, for in, the, in, in nature is the way it was for man. Noah had one wife, his sons had one wife. We already identified that this whole idea of polygamy took place with Lamech, the descendant of Cain, who lived out of the presence of Jehovah, And so that whole idea of polygamy was already instituted in the earth, but it wasn't instituted by the sons of Elohim, it was instituted by Cain's line. And so even though that was operational, all of that came to an end at the flood. And now Father establishes the order. There will be everything that reproduces, a male and his female. Not a male and his two females, <laughs> or his three females. You, you hear what I'm saying? It was one male and one female for the for the for the beasts, for the fowl, for the things that creeped, for the birds, the bees. <laughs> You get it. And then Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives. So this seems to be the reestablishment of the order that was established with Mr. and Mrs. Adam. Now it's being reinstituted again. But we know that man is going to go off again. Because it's written. And we've got the evidence. And so it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life. Now, when you do the math, you're going to see that, well, let me not get ahead of myself. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day, and so now it's, it's like the Bible is getting very specific and I think it's for, specific for the purpose of doing the math. So the one who's writing under the inspiration seems to be telling us there's certain things that is important for us to know and the things that are not written are things that we shouldn't get all bogged down in. The things that I want you to know, here's where you here here it is. The things that you don't need to know is not that they're irrelevant. It's just we don't know it. And if we try to focus on the the stuff that is that is not there and ignore in a sense or don't deal with the stuff that is there, we'll find people writing books on things that are not proven from the book. And there's a lot of them that are out there. Some of that stuff we've had to deal with even in this particular study. And so Noah was 600 years in the 600th year of Noah's life. In the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up And the windows of heaven were open. So we see two things which takes us back to creation. Remember, there was water above and there was water beneath. And what is he saying? The great deep was broken up. Father had divided the waters and separated the waters from the land. And he called the waters seas, the land he called earth. And so now earth came out of the ground, but before everything was water. Water covered everything. And so father brought brought this, this order as he desired it to be where water and land or earth was separate. But now this water that was covering everything had its place, separate from the land, and then there was water that was above, and what's gonna happen now is water is gonna come from from underneath, and water is gonna come down. So the sea, I mean, even scientists now are talking about as far as global warming and and Antarctica, that parts of, of New York and parts of San Francisco and parts of uh, uh, other parts of California and 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 um, cities that have ocean shores um, are gonna start. The water is is encroaching on the land as a result of 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 these scientific uh, things that they're saying. And of course, you know, there's debate on whether or not this is true or that's true. And this is not about that, which gives me a a moment to, uh, for those of you who are in chat, make sure that your conversations are relevant to what we're teaching. So you're not off in some other uh, conversation that has absolutely nothing to do with the teaching and creating distraction on our chat page. It has been brought to my attention that some of that happens, and we wanna try to minimize that so you don't create confusion with uh, questions if you have questions or conversations you want to have with people it's okay for you to go on another platform so that you're not uh, bogging down the chat with conversations that have absolutely nothing to do um, with the teaching now that I've gotten that out of the way there are some facts that we know as I said there are things that we know there are things that we don't know one uh, well I've I've, I've shared already is we don't know how long Noah preached before the flood came. We don't know how long the boat was finished, the ark was finished before uh, Noah, before the flood came. How long um, um, it was completed and, and, and how long he preached. Uh, we do know that Noah was was 500 years old when he started having children, 600 years uh, in the 600 year of his life, the flood came. We do not know how old Noah was when he had each, each of his children. We do not know how old Noah was when he began to build the ark, or how old he was when he completed the ark, or how long it took for him uh, to complete the ark. These are questions we don't know. We, uh, we don't have the answers to. And we don't know how old uh, they were when they went into the ark before the flood. We don't have the ages, but as I said, we do know that Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. And according to verse six, it shows us that. And so as we continue in verse number 14, or in verse number uh, 13, it says, well, no, I'm jumping ahead. In the 600th year of Noah's life, verse 11, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open. And the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, it's important for us to make the distinction because in verse 24, we're gonna see that the water was was, was on the uh the earth for 150 days and it only rained 40 days and 40 nights and this is important for us to know that in the self same day into Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark Verse 14, they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And here's where I had one of those Noah ark moments. Because in the beginning, Father says to Noah, I want you to gather, that he's going to bring these these animals, creeping things, fowl, birds, cattle, on the ark. It gives the impression that Noah is going to gather them. In another instance, it's as if father brought them. And so I'm trying to distinguish between did Noah gather them, did father bring them because both are possible. If he's instructing him to gather them, then he could certainly do that if he's instructing the animals to come because the word that that we're seeing, the words that we're seeing gives the impression just as he brought the animals before Adam and Noah um, named them, but, hmm, did I, yeah, Adam named, did I say he bring brought them before Adam and Noah named them? He brought them before Adam and Adam named them, but that same word, is used when Cain brought his offering or Abel brought his offering. And so did Noah bring them or did Jehovah bring them? Did Noah gather them or did Jehovah send them? These are questions that we don't have, but I know Noah Ark, Noah Ark answered the question. Father spoke to the angel animals and the animals went to the ark and it just so happened um uh, only only this the certain animals that he spoke to and he spoke to seven clean and 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 you know the the unclean he spoke to them and it's like no it didn't have to reject any of the animals to come on the ark it's like okay how do you know you got the right amount That's one, that's, see, the point of me bringing this out is so we don't find ourselves reading into the Bible things that are not clear. We don't know if Father brought them or if Noah gathered them because the language for both is there. And it's important for us to not go beyond what is written. Because I'm going to tell you, the moment you do that, what you do is you open yourself up for an argument, for a dispute that you can't prove. And and once someone can undermine you in a conversation, they can discount you as a person. This, this is a very valuable lesson if, if you're going to be ministering to make sure that what you're saying, you can back it up on solid proof Otherwise, what'll happen is that you'll find stuff that has been put in you that is lying dormant, finding its way out into your messages. And somebody challenges you on it. Can you prove that Father brought them or that Noah gathered them? You follow what I'm saying? And and if you if you hitch your cart to that message, and someone can disprove that message, what other message you think you're gonna be able to get into them? You've already been discredited as a messenger. You've added to the message. <laughs> you you follow what I'm saying? And this is this is one of those areas where traditions can fit as far as, where people are operating in tradition by practice, adding to the message, which disqualifies the messenger when challenged. I mean, so we find that these animals are there. They went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And, and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh. And Father seems to, through these writings, continue to emphasize male and female, male and female. Male and, and I didn't time this with Pride Month. It wasn't, this wasn't some kind of pr- Timing. I'm not coming up with some special message because it's Pride Month to dispute all of that. I'm simply presenting what is written. Man and man can't produce. Woman and woman can't produce. Everything Father does is to reproduce after his kind. Anything that cannot produce or reproduce is problematic concerning Jehovah's plan. And even for believers who are trying to advocate for a lifestyle that is not grounded and founded in scripture, will find themselves advocating for something that is against Jehovah. And you got believers out there, out of love for humanity, advocating for something that Father, is saying is a problem and once once a ministry discards the torah and the prophets they can embrace pretty much anything the world brings at them and and just because more and more people are engaging in it because there's there there are some legitimate questions as far as people being born. You know, the fact is, um, every last one of us, because of the fallen nature of man, left unchecked could go down paths and dark roads that are not the intent of the Creator. In fact, some of us have gone down those roads. We've gone down roads that we shouldn't have gone down. We've engaged in things that we shouldn't have engaged in. And now that we've come into the truth and the knowledge of the truth, we can't continue to engage in those kinds of behaviors. Otherwise, it would be as if the truth didn't penetrate. The truth set free. The truth brings about change in the life of people. And if a person hears the truth and, they bring, and there is no change, they are hearers only. They're deceived. And that's the issue in the earth today, is a great mass deception. But that's all part of the enemy's plan. And through this deception, by continuing to present it, present it, present it, present it, present it, put it in your face, 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 put it in your face. In your face. Day after day after day, barrage you with this information. Pretty soon the saints get worn down. Oh, porn point is to wear you down to where you see it all around you and you say, oh boy, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. And you got people saying, you can't stop it, it's coming. You can't stop it, it's coming. And pretty soon, well, if you can't stop it, you might as well join them. And it's getting to a point now to even speak against it, is creating problems. You become hate speech. Hate speech because you call something wrong. You call something that is against what is written, oh, that's hate speech. That's hate speech, and I'm telling you, all of this stuff is being labeled to where it is forcing people to comply, to be accepted, or to be isolated. And you know what? I I I find this is what I find, brothers and sisters. I'll go down this path again when you look at where society is today, and anyone that speaks against a specific direction, especially if they are public, if they, if they have a program, if, if they are uh, uh, news, if they have a... You, you saw what happened to Roseanne Roseanne made a big comeback but a statement she made and what happened is society forced her out. You see uh, Harvey and, 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 and all of these other people and then you got people who are making statements and have to backtrack because uh, the sponsors, the sponsors who are putting their advertisements on their, on their programs are pulling their sponsorship. What is the sponsorship, brothers? Dollars. It's dollars. If you don't comply, then we're gonna stop the flow of dollars. We're not gonna advertise on your program. And if we don't advertise on your program, and we start speaking out against your program, your ratings drop, and if your ratings drop, your program goes away. You see what's happening here? It's all about dollars, sponsorship, the powers that be, the money, the money machine that is is funding all of this iniquity. And anyone who doesn't comply, the dollars get shut down. That's the mark of the beast. The beast is raging all around us right now. The anti Messiah is already in the world. It's doing its dirt. And the same thing with the wearing down of the saints. After a while, the saints are looking for user friendly environments where everybody is accepted and nobody is speaking against the people who are in love. And those who will stand for what is in the book are going to see themselves. Standing with people who are going to stand with them, but everybody who claimed to be with you ain't with you. And they're going to be exposed for what they are. They're going to be exposed. And, And I have found that some of the reasons why people have made their exit is not what you thought which is if you don't know why a person exited and all you see is an exited exit and you don't know why they exit it leaves the mind to conclude whatever it wants to conclude It's like, where's so-and-so-and-so? Well, have you talked to so-and-so-and-so? No. Then if you wanna know what so-and-so-and-so is, go find so-and-so-and-so and -and and talk to so-and-so-and-so and -and and find out why so-and-so-and-so ain't here. And -and -and so-and-so-and-so will tell you why they ain't here if you go and find them and get mad if you don't look. You hear what I'm saying? And, and i have to brother know who i'm talking about i'm coming at him it's like you ain't showed up for weeks months and and i go visit and it's like it's about time like really it's about time where you been you see In community and relationship, relationship works both ways, don't it? It really does. It's supposed to work both ways. Why is certain relationships one-sided? Where did people get the expectation of how a assembly or congregation is supposed to operate. You see this? Where is the job description for what pastors are supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to lead the ninety nine, brother, and go go find the, the 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 one. So, are you a sheep? Hello? It's amazing. People don't call you. They expect for you to call them. If you don't call them, they get upset at you for not calling them, but don't get upset at themselves for not calling you. And as long as we permit that kind of behavior, we are enabling that kind of behavior. And if you think I'm talking about you, <laughs> I just I just might be. Only you know. See, folks are always trying to move, maneuver you into the bag or into the position and putting the responsibility of the relationship on you. Okay, let me, let me. So the flood was 40 days upon the earth and the waters increased. And bear up the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. And the waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters. Verse number 19, Genesis chapter 7. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Now notice this next verse. 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. And what is he saying here? One translation says that the water was 20 feet above the mountain. Now, it it, it bears sense because in, in verse 21, all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both the fowl, and um one one of the things here is the file fowl, fowl and and birds are sometimes used interchangeably, but in some cases in these passages, fowl and bird are both mentioned what i couldn't what I couldn't grasp is. The bird, because see, if 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 I'm a bird, especially if if I'm a, well, I guess even if I'm a seagull, I, I think about the seagulls because I was in the navy and I used to see them all the time. And these things know how to fish, and you watch these pelicans and how they they dive in the water, and it's like, okay, how did the the they just perished? If if I was a pelican or a seagull, I probably would have took refuge on the top of that ark. I'm just thinking out loud. And so there's, there's something, because the ark didn't get covered with water, the ark floated on the water, and from a seagull perspective, it's like, you know, you can sit, rest, go fishing, <laughs> come back, sit and rest, pelican, same thing. But for whatever reason, none of that survived. And this is part of the supernatural aspect of this whole circumstance because we see here that the flood waters were 40 days upon the earth. It rose up 15 cubits upward above the mountains and all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And every man. This next verse, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. So we see here that no flesh survived. But then this next verse suggests that Every living substance, every living substance. Now anyone who've ever done a garden, if you've ever planted a garden or planted trees, you know there's a certain thing as overwatering. That if 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 the the ground is so saturated with water, everything in the ground will die. If there's a flood and you have planted a crop and too much rain comes upon that crop, that crop is gone. And what's interesting is that when it says in all substance, every living substance, because we know herbs reproduce. It's a living, breathing substance. Trees, shrubs, bushes, they're living, breathing substance. And now you have everything underwater. How long did the flood last? How long did the flood last? Say what? It was a year. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So the rain came down for 40 days and 40 nights, but the water came up. The water stood on the face of the earth. Let's let's read it. Verse 23 again. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things and the fowl of the air have, of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Verse 24. And the waters prevailed upon the earth how long? 150 days. Now, what it says there is that the rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and the water stood or prevailed on the earth for 150 days before it started to recede. And we'll see that next week. So what you have is that everything in the earth was underwater for a minimum of 150 days. That's enough time for anything that can't breathe underwater to suffocate. So the possibility that every tree died, the possibility that every shrub died, the possibility that every herb died. These are the kinds of things that the the devastation of the flood killed probably all living things other than the, the sea creatures that were able to live in the water. Whatever was able to live and breathe on the water was fine, but everything else, gone. And for 150 days, that water just stood and didn't go anywhere. And in verse one of of, uh, uh, Genesis eight, the Bible says, and Jehovah remembered Noah. And that's what we'll pick up next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free ebooks on our ministry website at Arthur Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints.